Hi, I'm Brandy. And I'm Angelina. And welcome to Talk 40 to Me. We're having all the candid conversations you'd have with your bestie. Join us as we unpack life in our 40s and all the questions that led up to this next chapter. Hi, everybody. I'm Angelina. And this is Brandy. And welcome back to Talk 40 to Me. And we are so excited to have you on for another episode today. Yeah, sorry we're saying we're so excited. We're so excited about did every episode that? you did. But oh, that's okay. That's sorry. It's all good. We're excited. <laughs> we're still excited. We are perpetually excited. We, we said we were going to come up with another word for excited. We'll work on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll strategize. Well, I would like to introduce to you guys Elizabeth Pringer. She is a founder and brand strategist with more than 10 years of leading marketing, PR, communications and fundraising strategy in the for-profit, nonprofit, startup and political sectors. Elizabeth understands the power of storytelling, which I love. I come from the <laughs> advertising world. I love storytelling. She founded the branding firm Pros Creative in 2019 to help brands and individuals connect with their consumers through authentic branding, content and storytelling strategies. As a serial entrepreneur, Elizabeth started the femtech brand, The Asicle, because women's asses deserve better. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Thanks. I can't wait to learn yeah. more about that. Yes, this. we do. We absolutely do. And she's also recently co-founded Fem Health Founders, a women-centric innovation hub designed to create a more welcoming ecosystem for women founders who are creating solutions in the women's health and wellness space. Hallelujah to that. She is a mom of two boys, Welcome to the boy club. Angelina and I both have two boys as well whoop, whoop. and survives on coffee and wine. We were destined to be friends. I was going to say the same thing. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. <laughs> we are going to have a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I'm very ecstatic to be here. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, we can start <laughs> coming up with some synonyms for excited for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Elizabeth. We can't wait to learn more about you. We're so excited to have you here. And I know I just kind of shared a little bit about you, but is there anything else high level that you would like to share with us? That intro always makes me think, oh, that person sounds cool. It doesn't sound like this crazy scattered person that I feel like on a regular basis, but I've had a lot of fun exploring the different professional arenas of politics, nonprofit. Now I'm in the for-profit space and startups. It's just been a whirlwind over the last, oh gosh, 20 years or so. I love, so obviously this is a, a podcaster around the age group of 40. I am quickly approaching 40. The third, My 30s have been awesome, um, but I'm really looking forward to the growth that comes with being a 40-year-old. Awesome. We We are here. We're sitting in it. <laughs> Only by like maybe six months here. Yeah, we're fresh. We're fresh in this, but I can say um, the fear that I had was not warranted. And it's actually, I think, going to be like some of the best years of our life. I agree. I was excited to turn 30. Age has always seemed really exciting to me. I'm a little bit morbid and love the the topic of like death and my favorite fiction to read is sci-fi. So post-apocalyptic for whatever reason, I'm obsessed with that. So the idea of turning an, an extra year older and an extra year older, it's exciting. It's a journey. It's an adventure. And it's it's been a lot of fun up to this point. That's such a great point. It's a journey and an adventure. I love that. Otherwise, we're just going crazy if we don't think of it otherwise. Right? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so you're working on a product, which we're pretty excited to learn more about. It's called the Asicle, and you have the intention of bringing this national. So can you tell us more about the product and what are some of the challenges you're facing as a woman founder? Yeah, I, I think you ladies in particular will get a kick out of the the start of the brand, the, how the idea came about. About a year and a half ago, I, I have a group of really good girlfriends. We met in college. We've stayed really close ever since then. We've been in each other's weddings. We've helped each other through childbirth. In the height of the pandemic, we decided to um, get together Wednesday nights for Wine Wednesday over Zoom, drink too much wine, bitch about our husbands, complain about our kids, just support one another and whatever we're going through. And one of my girlfriends is a an OBGYN in North Carolina. She was late to our Zoom call one night because she had a patient deliver a baby that was, you know, big baby, small mom, and she experienced significant tearing. And she was telling us about the recovery for this mom. And we were all kind of reliving our own personal experiences with childbirth. And then we started talking about the the fact that no one really talks about what happens to the woman's body. Like you read about childbirth, you prepare for it, you buy all the stuff, but you don't really know what it's like until you go through it yourself. And so I asked Casey, uh, my friend, my OB friend on the call, what she did for her patients when that happened. And she said her, her hospital takes maxi pads dips them in water and freezes them. And, you know, we've been drinking wine. So I was a little tipsy and I was like, our asses deserve better than that. And we need to create a product that's going to help women feel better during this period of time. And we're going to give it a funny name so that people actually start talking about the issue because it's such a taboo topic right now. And it shouldn't be. It's 2020, whatever year it was at this time. And so with my background in branding, I pulled up a brand deck and I designed something that we wanted to call the Asicle and we wanted to make women feel better. And we wanted to give it a funny name so that it started these conversations around the real, the realities of childbirth and not being ashamed to talk about the fact that your vagina rips open and your asshole rips open during childbirth, because it happens so much. It's like 95% of first time vaginal deliveries result in some level of tearing. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And so the idea stuck with me. It started off as this like funny rant, uh, wine rant, but I started doing a little bit more research around the products that are on the market. I went into a couple of um, drugstores and just scanned the shelves for baby care and mama care and was really disappointed uh, by the products that were available. If there were any, a lot of times there just wasn't anything. The products that were on shelves were, they either looked yucky. Like they, it, they were encased in plastic. They didn't look comfortable. The messaging on the packaging was like, it's for down there. So it was reinforcing the fact that we shouldn't, we don't talk about this when in fact, I believe we should be. So the idea stuck with me and I, I took the idea to my friends at a, an organization. It's an entrepreneurial support organization here in Northwest Arkansas. That is a massive champion for entrepreneurs and startups. And they were like, this is actually a really good idea. Of course, they were women, so they understood the pain point. So they encouraged me to apply for an accelerator program. So kind of fast forward, I've gone through two accelerator programs for the Asicle. I've start, I've gone through a prototyping phase. So I have a prototype in hand. It's actually in my freezer at home, which is cool. And so I'm getting a lot of really positive feedback on not just the design, but also the exposure that this brain is giving to something that is so common, but is so swept under the rug for far too long. Okay, we need to pause for a minute because <laughs> this is so fascinating. 
You know, one of the things that I love, I have spent many, many years in the world of consumer packaged goods. And, you know, you find, and when you watch, you know, Shark Tank, the simplest of ideas, I was literally just telling my husband this, like, I don't know, two days ago. It's the simplest of ideas that you always know you need, but you never really think about. You sort of take it for granted are the things that don't exist. And it's something like this where women have had to, I mean, you're in so much pain down there. And then you're putting ice packs and things like yeah. that, like that. It, it, that's yeah. painful. And so I think this is such a fascinating product. And I love how it all stemmed from a conversation that you had with your friends and how you all supported each other. And oh my gosh, like, I just want to unpack this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been, um, I, I really believe the universe has been sending me all of these resources and connections because she wants this product to, I'm going to get a little woo woo. She wants this product on the market and she wants it done by women and in a very intentional way to help women heal. I remember in doing some of the research of the competitors, there was this one website that the hero image said, we cure all childbirth pain. And I was like, okay, only Percocet can technically say that. And ice pack, you cannot make these kinds of claims for women. That is just, again, it's making this major issue seem like, oh, it's not a big deal. Just have a little ice pack. And ice pack is helpful. This product is going to be incredibly helpful for women. But even more than that, we want to make sure women understand what's actually going to happen to their body and be mentally and emotionally prepared for it and get subject matter experts involved in the conversation so we can really provide women with the education that we deserve. Wow. Yeah, I love that. I think that's huge. And that's been a big point for Brainy and I starting this podcast is to bring these conversations to the forefront and normalize the conversations like our episode with Sarah Reardon, the vagina whisperer. Yes, I love her. Yeah, I know us too. It's just, it was, it's so important to us to continue to open these doors and have these conversations. The only little bit I knew about that was from Jenny McCarthy's book. I don't know if you read, I think it is like shit someone should have told me was her book. And she had a chapter literally titled Blowing Out My Vagina. And it was so raw and honest. And, you know, that's just not something that everybody really wants to share and talk about. So the idea that you're not only creating a product to solve a problem, but then you're taking it to the next level and becoming someone who's speaking up in this space for women. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I I just feel like the the idea of childbirth is created for for men. Like you see pictures of all the pictures that you try to pull up on stock photography sites of around childbirth. It's like a mom's cr- sweetly cradling her baby or, you know, smiling at the camera in full makeup. And like that's that doesn't usually happen. Normally the mom is is looking ragged. She is looking rough. She's feeling terrible. She's exhausted. She's stressed out. She's on pain meds. She doesn't, and she, and like blood is coming out in a big way. And like, you know, in theory of what's going to potentially happen, but you don't expect it. Even though you've read about it, you're like, oh my God, this actually does happen. And this is really painful. And clots are coming out and that's scary. And, but it's supposed to be like, our bodies are designed to do this. And yes, they are. But when you're not really prepared for it, it's really hard. It's, it's a, it's a traumatic experience, even though it is a beautiful and natural thing. It is pretty traumatic for a lot of us. 
And might I add, your body does not shrink back down before you leave the hospital, like I assumed it did? No. <laughs> I remember right after childbirth, looking at my stomach and being like, oh my God, like what has happened to me? Something's <laughs> still in there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And again, like online, when you look up postpartum stuff, it's a lot of it is like, okay, here, this is the appropriate time to start exercising. This is when you go back to work. It's not like, just lay down and rest and you're going to hurt and ask for help and drink lots of water and really do sleep when the baby sleeps, even though that seems impossible. So I, I've developed a, a massive affinity for doulas. Um, I think doulas are an incredible resource for women that we don't know about. And a lot of us can't access it because it costs additional, it, it's, it's money that women have to spend and it's not covered by insurance. And there's just a lot of brokenness in this in the system around caring for moms after they have babies. That was something that kept coming up when I was doing a lot of customer discovery with the women that would be potential customers for the Asicle. A lot of times, even though they were surrounded by a wonderful spouse, their parents or their moms were there to help them care for the baby. Neighbors were coming by to check in on them on them. They still felt very alone and un supported. And, and especially when you, you know, you're discharged from the, the hospital and then you have to wait six weeks to be able to talk to your doctor again. That's a long time to be in a lot of pain, to be in a new space, to have access to your medical support system. Yeah. And I think that's a whole conversation too, about, like you said, postpartum care in our country, something needs to give. I think you, when you see what other countries are doing and the support that moms are getting, the time off of work, they're being prescribed pelvic floor therapy covered by their insurance. You know, there's all of these different things that are covered and moms are given so much more grace mm -hmm. than, you know, what we have here. And there's so many of us. I mean, I know for my first son, I was back to work in about seven weeks, which that's bananas, really. When you, you think about it, we need so much more time to recover than than what we're giving ourselves. Yeah, for sure. So is this product in market, not in market? If someone wanted to research it, just for our audience, what is sort of, what can you share about your process and when someone might be able to hear more about it? Thank you for that offer. I am building out a landing page to start collecting some information from women on the features that they would be looking for in this type of product, the price point that they would be willing to pay for that for this product. So still very much in the research and development phase. That way I can take that information and that data and really apply it to the the next iteration of our prototype to make sure that we are going into manufacturing, which is really expensive. So we want to make sure that the product that we are going to the manufacturing uh, sources with is what the women are wanting to buy. So once I have that landing page up, I'd love to send it to, to you ladies and have you do with it what you, what you would like. Um, but collecting that feedback from women is really important to me right now. Absolutely. And our go-to-market strategy will be direct-to-consumer e-commerce. So I'll be building out a Shopify page. Um, I'll put the product on Amazon and hopefully get it on some targeted baby list so women can have access to the product as they're preparing for baby and wondering what to put in their hospital bags to prepare. It's been a really cool journey to learn about how all of the, the new ways that we can reach women and and especially the the we're going to be targeting millennial, Gen Z, and younger, kind of the next wave of birthing people. And they expect to 
access products differently than ever before. So leading into the social media marketing, influencer marketing, with my background in branding and messaging, like I get really excited about that whole process. That being said, you are an innovator, clearly, and you've put your touch on a lot of things. So you started Pros Creative, but then you're also a co-founder for Fem Health. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And it seems like you're very female driven, which I love. Thank you. I try not to offend the men around me. I love my husband. I love my two boys. I love all of my male peers, but my my heart and soul is with is with the women. So through developing the ASICL, uh, going through the accelerator programs and just connecting with a lot of different people in Northwest Arkansas, where I'm located, but all over the country, it became clear to me that there were a lot of challenges that are unique to women versus our male colleagues who have more access to VC funding. The stats around VC funding, well, we can talk about that when I start, when I dive into FemHealth Founders, because that's one big area of our focus. But there were just a lot of challenges unique to women that I had lots and lots of conversations with women about. And here in Northwest Arkansas, I was fortunate to connect with two other women founders who are creating companies in women's health. Mine is postpartum. My One of my co-founders is menstruation and one of my co-founders is fertility. So they're all very different, but it's, you know, kind of the full life cycle of a, an adult woman's health journey minus menopause, but we're, we very much want to um, be in that space as well. But we kept talking about, we've been over the last year, we met about a year ago, and so much has happened in the evolution of our individual businesses, but then also with the culmination of FemHealth founders, we recognized that the challenges that we were facing overlapped quite a bit. And so we hypothesized that since we were experiencing these challenges in a very similar way that a lot of other women entrepreneurs were as well, and that proved to be true. So we decided to take that kind of our, our own personal passions of fixing the, these problems for ourselves. And then also the desire to mitigate some of these experience for other women entrepreneurs down the line. What can we do to create a more, a stronger support system for women founders in women's health and wellness? And so we approached a, a, a big funder in our area. I won't, actually, I can say here because it's on a public press release. We, we've been working with the Walton Family Foundation who expressed interest in funding our pilot program the Fem Health Accelerator programs. Nice. Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. And we we're feeling a lot of energy and synergy around this idea of a Fem Health specific accelerator program. There are all these wonderful accelerators across the country in tech. There is one in health. There are blockchain. They're just across the board. But there isn't very much focus around women's health in particular, and especially women's health that's being designed by women. And so that's our focus. We're targeting the heartland because that's where we live and that's where the biggest need is. There's not a lot of funding that's going to women in the heartland. You know, there's a lot of focus around innovation on the coastal regions, but the heartland, there's just this gap that we're hoping to fill. So we're targeting early stage, um, like pre-seed, seed, series A-ish size companies that have an established business and they're making innovations and improvements in women's health outcomes and focusing on women's health and wellness. And it's been just really cool to be a part of. I'm really trying to control myself, but <laughs> I am very giddy inside. Like this is so exciting. Gosh, I, I'm a little bit speechless because it, it's <laughs> I love hearing what you're doing and you're involved in so many different facets of innovation 
would love to learn more about women getting involved in innovation and how this is kind of your journey and your path to that that has kind of led you to the space and what makes you so passionate about it. Sorry, that was like three questions in one, but it's <laughs> as you can see, I'm like, I, I I don't know. I mean, this is I love this this forum that's giving us an opportunity to have these conversations yeah. because you don't hear about all the amazing work that's happening. Mm. And it's such a privilege to be able to have you and other women, business leaders and innovators and people who are just changing society and changing the way that we perceive health and wellness and, and, and all these amazing things. Like it's such a privilege to be able to have this platform to be able to share that. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, we're very proud of the work that we're doing, but we're also really disappointed up to this point with the lack of focus around women's health. There's some stats. I'm not a I'm not proficient at remembering stats. My fellow co-founder, she's a statistic queen. But some of the stats that she's uncovered around the like one that just blows my mind. Women were not included in clinical trials until like the late 1980s, early 1990s. So a lot of the medication, a lot of the the way hospitals use medication or introduce medications or pharmaceuticals, a lot of that, a lot of those were created around male data and women's bodies just operate differently than men. So why is it still, why did it take that long to get women involved in that process? And then you look at the number of, there's only 1% of healthcare innovation is focused on women's specific issues outside of oncology. That's 1%. I mean, that is, wow. that is crazy. There's only 2% of VC funding goes to women-founded companies in the United States. So these stats, it's like, what the hell is going on? Why? Why is this? It's 2022, almost 2023, which is crazy. Why is our society still operating like this? So that just gives us a lot of motivation to be doing this work, to get more women involved in the process of of creating solutions. So I'm sure you're familiar with the speculum. The speculum is a terrible device. Why is that still a common device that's introduced to women? And my only hypothesis is that men just have never experienced what it feels like to have a speculum shoved up your vagina. We can have open heart surgery with a little camera, you know, but your annual is that uncomfortable and painful. And if you've never had sex before, it has to be even more painful. If you've been sexually abused, it has to be very triggering. Like it's a big issue. And it's probably because women are not involved in the design process for a lot of these products that women are using. Wow. That's really insightful. 1%. That's crazy. I mean, that's just, that's sad really. Yeah. And, and knowing the buying power that women have, I mean, we're like 80%. we we purchase 80% of the household goods. I think that's the stat. Natalie would have to correct me, but like we're buying all of this stuff. Women are the buyers of the world, but we're not the ones that are creating a lot of these solutions. And that's really sad. And so that's what we're hoping to really shed more light on here in the heartland, but also we're getting inquiries from MIT, Stanford, London, because there's just a lot of interest to get more women involved in this process. So we're really happy to be doing this work. Wow. Amazing. So you've mentioned accelerators and we had Kathy Galloway, who is a friend and a, a consultant that I had worked with for the last few years. And she's also been a part of accelerator programs. 
involved in women and minority like funding organizations. So we've talked about accelerators on a past podcast. I think it was Commanding Your Life. So if anybody wants to go back to that one, there's a little shameless plug. So accelerators are an amazing resource to help brands grow more rapidly. You've mentioned accelerators and being a part of that with not only your business, but also helping to create an accelerator program for other women businesses in the in the healthcare space. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about the partnership. You mentioned Stitch Crew. And is there an occasion that has stood out to you uh, that you feel would be worth sharing? Yeah, we so my co-founders with Fem Health Founders, we are not, we've gone through accelerator programs, but we are not accelerator professionals. So we were really excited. I, I need another word for that. We're not going to use excited. We were thrilled to partner with <laughs> Stitch Crew. They're they're based out of Oklahoma City. They are a woman-run organization that runs accelerator programs across across the country in, in various verticals. So they have a comprehensive curriculum content, a bank of just badass mentors who have worked in, a, across all all industries. And so we knew that the only way to really curate a, a really beneficial experience for our, our founders was to partner with an entity like Stitch Crew because they just know what they're doing and they can prioritize women and minority founders. So we also really appreciated that and the work that they're doing. The founder of Stitch Crew, her name is Erica Lucas. She's just a She's just a badass. She is an angel investor herself. She's raising a major fund for the future of work and childcare, which is a huge issue, a huge barrier for a lot of women entrepreneurs is that whole issue of having adequate childcare and affordable childcare. So I love the work that they're doing as Stitch Crew as an organization. So the opportunity to partner with them, our missions just really align really nicely. And then myself and my co-founders for Fem Health Founders, We've just been in the trenches of this whole entrepreneurial journey as women founders and have experienced these challenges ourselves. So we want to be really intentional about creating an accelerator experience that is designed for women. Um, a, a lot of the accelerators that we've done research on or have ourselves been involved in, they there's a big focus around relocating for these programs. And as women with young families, that's just not an option for us. So the opportunity to take part in some of the bigger accelerators are not available to It's not accessible to women. So we're creating a kind of a hybrid model where we're targeting women founders in the heartland um, because that's where the most support is needed right now. So we want to be able to accommodate these women virtually, but then also have a really nice in-person kind of ending of the cohort here in Northwest Arkansas to show off how wonderful this community is, how great it is to have a company founded in Northwest Arkansas. And we just feel like that's it's a really good recipe for providing a, a, a just really intentionally curated experience for these women, which is kind of hard to find on the market right now. I've never heard of Stitch Crew. I need to look them up and do some research. Yeah, they're doing really incredible work. You have so much knowledge and so many things that you have going on. And so I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. No, but I love it. I love it because I feel like there's so much in your brain that we could pick. But if you had some key takeaways for our audience, you know, maybe someone who's interested in your product or interested in becoming an innovator in the industry. What advice or what key takeaways would you give them? Great question. 
I would definitely like to drive some traffic to FemHealth Founders. I think there's some, our website is femhealthfounders.com. If you are a woman with a company or even just an idea for a solution in the women's health and wellness space, we want to talk to you. Even the women that may not be a good fit for our accelerator program, we're really motivated to connect them with the best possible resource because we found through our journeys as women entrepreneurs, we were being connected with people that didn't quite understand women's health. They didn't quite understand the demographic that we're going after because a lot of them were men. And while they intended well, their advice was just bad advice for the work that we were doing. So we want to be really intentional about who we're connecting founders with to make sure that it's going to be a really fruitful conversation and not just a waste of both parties' time. So if you have an idea, don't be afraid to explore the possibility of bringing it to market. I can confidently use Asicle as a as an example of like I never thought that I would be a creator of a CPG product. I never that never even crossed my mind. But the curiosity kept me going and the motivation around helping women, just very true, staying true to the intention of helping women. So if that is, um, there's a lot of energy around women's health innovation right now. I don't think it's just because I'm in the space. I truly think I'm seeing it more and more on LinkedIn. There are more women investors. There's more of an ecosystem for makers and creators. So whatever community you're in, I would highly recommend exploring the entrepreneurial support organizations in your communities. There's just a lot of really cool things in the startup ecosphere. So explore it and don't be afraid of failure because a failure in my mind is just a learning opportunity. You learn a lot by failing. Um, I failed a lot through my journey with the Asicle, but it's come out with a really cool product, taking my failures and using it as a learning opportunity to create something even better. I'm ready to leave this call and go brainstorm on creating a product. <laughs> I knew it. I knew Brandy was going to just go, I need a product. My mind is always like, what can I create? What can I create? I'm always thinking about it to the point where it's like overthinking, but I'm so inspired. And Elizabeth, I see a TED talk in your future. Yes, girl. Thank you. I need to like focus. I get, I go down these rabbit holes of like, you know, childcare and women's vaginas and branding it. Like it's all over the place. So I need to tighten up my, my approach a little bit, I think. Before we move into the next segment, I have to ask, and we asked Kathy the same question, which was about balance. And and Angelina had a great quote. Who was it, Angelina? Shonda Rhimes. Shonda Rhimes mm -hmm. about it's not about balance. And there is no such thing as balance. It, it, essentially, you know, how you prioritize and you are involved in so many things. And Angelina and I are both in the entrepreneurial space as well. I'm trying to figure that out. Like, how do you touch so many different opportunities and businesses and still manage to kind of live and, and, and keep it all together? So do you have any advice or thoughts on how you handle it or how you manage your day? I'm probably the worst person to ask that question because I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I fit it all into a day. I'm letting go of a lot of work that is just no longer fulfilling a specific purpose. It's hard for me to say no to things, but I'm being more intentional about that. If someone approaches me with a project for Pros Creative that's not specifically addressing women's health innovation or social impact, 
I make a recommendation that they, like, I will connect them to, with someone else. I just, that is not my mission. That is not my purpose. So I think being, I'm trying to be more intentional about focusing my energy, my creative energy, my work on one specific area of focus. And that was hard for me to do that concept of niching down. And even though I'm still doing all this stuff, it's very niche now where before I was trying to balance, trying to juggle just too much. I'm still juggling too much, but it's a bit more manageable now. And I did hire a virtual assistant and that has provided me a lot of sanity as well. Thank you for sharing. And letting the kitchen get dirty more than I would have in the past. Oh, that would drive Angelina crazy. That would make me twitchy. Yeah. She gets twitchy when she comes visit me because as soon as we eat, she's like cleaning my dishes. We talk about this and I'm like, hey, girl, <laughs> if you want to take that, go for it. Yeah, and I don't, mind. I don't mind. It's just what I do. But I think that's all good points that you make that some things have to give. And sometimes we're just going to say, you know what, this is not where my heart is. And I need to be very intentional about where I'm putting my time. And so I know you said you didn't think you were a good advice, but I feel like that is the best advice. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I hope it's helpful. Letting, letting go of that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm also in therapy. My therapist is amazing. She's a godsend. And just letting go of the, like, you're not going to die if the kitchen sink is full, even though that anxiety hits and it's like that fight or flight mechanism, yeah. just let that go. The, ki- the kids are going to be fine if they have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner. You're not a bad mom. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I agree with you about therapy. I think everybody should have therapy at some point. It's just. There's another topic. Totally, totally a whole other topic. Mental health with women. I mean, that's a huge focus as well. Not just postpartum depression, but just all of the additional stress that we're under to be the primary caregiver, managing the household, remembering birthdays, remembering family events. Like, oh, I saw something today. It said, why are we called working moms? Why aren't we just called a mom? Because you don't have a working dad. They're just a dad. I thought that was a good point, but yet you said there's so many things in our brains like spirit day and what are they going to have for lunch and, you know, my work and then I'm behind in my laundry and, oh my gosh, I forgot to do this project. It's just, our brains never stop. Yeah. And then the guilt that goes along with it. That's a whole, yeah, that's a whole nother. Whole other topic. <laughs> so, okay. This has been so great and I don't <laughs> want to stop talking, but I know I need to. So we're going to move into the next segment. So Elizabeth, we have too many segments that we love doing with our guests. The first one is around Robin. And so it's called, let me tell you something, girlfriends calling each other up saying, Hey girl, let me tell you something. It could be anything. It could be something like you just saw outside. It could be something that you're really into right now. Could be pop culture or, you know, relevant to the topic. So being our guest, we would like to offer you the opportunity to start off with your, let me tell you something. Oh my gosh. I have a girlfriend who has started uh, using a dating app and it has been fascinating to hear all of the people that have reached out to her and the propositions and even people that like, there was a dad at a school that we were very familiar with and may or may not have run into this person. And it was really awkward. And I was just like, oh my God. I could not imagine dating as a mom of kids in elementary school and potentially running into the people that you connect with on the dating apps. 
I get that. We have a good friend who is in that space and has shared some of the unwanted advances that she'd receive on these dating apps also blows my mind that men think that this is acceptable. <laughs> it's yes. insane. Yeah. But also kind of an ego boost in some ways. Like, yeah. You're like, oh, I still got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Brandy, what's your, let me tell you something. I was actually going to pun that over to you, Angelina. Oh, well, I can, I can, I have one actually. Um, since we're in the space talking about female entrepreneurship, Reese Witherspoon, she has her own movie studio. I can't remember the name of it, but she's been producing a lot and taking a lot of books like she did where the crawdad's saying, turn that into a movie. Well, there's a book called From Scratch and it's on Netflix. She turned this into a movie with Rosario Dawson. Oh, I want to see it. Yeah, I started it. I didn't finish it yet. It is very emotional. I will say you're gonna. That's why I haven't watched it. You're yet. gonna cry. I need to be in a good headspace for yeah. it. Buckle up. You're gonna cry. But it's about an American who meets an Italian when she's abroad and their life together and the things that they're creating. And it's just, it's really good. Feel good, but you're gonna boohoo. So, so I don't, I mean, I think that this is just a topic given that we're talking about ethical and women's health and all these things. Angelina introduced me to the Diva Cup. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is something that we don't talk about enough. Agreed. It scared me. Yeah. But <laughs> did it get stuck? She thought it would. I thought it like got sucked into my body. <laughs> even though I read over and over that it does not. She goes, I know that logically this cannot happen, but I'm still afraid. <laughs> I'm still learning how to use it, but what's really interesting is I've had one-on-one -on -one conversations with different friends who have either been in the same space as me where they haven't tried it and they're not brave. They haven't built up the bravery to try it, or they have built up the bravery and they're like, oh my gosh, this is life-changing. You have to try it. And I love that there's new products like this coming into the market that are reusable, easier to use. I think it's a really fascinating time. There are no no chemicals. Like, right. That's a big selling point for me. I've I've tried the I can't remember if it was Diva Cup or something else, but I have a apparently I have a low lying cervix and it's very painful if you have a low lying cervix. And it gave me the same feelings as when I had my miscarriages. So I was like, oh, this is a little too triggering. I'm gonna have to try something else. But I think there's some new versions on the market that accommodate different cervix placement. I don't really know if that's the right way to say it, but I'm excited to try. Interesting. I think I was told that I had a tilted cervix. Maybe that's what it does. Gotta love how our bodies are built. Maybe. That's interesting. But yeah, um, when you said about the the chemicals, that was something that we discussed in our um, breast cancer month episode with Kendall. She made a very good point that we start thinking about all the things we're putting into our bodies on our bodies. But then she's like, think about feminine care products. Like oh, where yeah. is that cotton in the tampon coming from? Where's the cotton in the pads coming from? So just all of these things that you don't think about. I think that's a very good point. Just overall women's health. It's a good, and for me, it's just, it was a lot, it's easier when you get the hang of it. It's a lot easier. Thank you for that reminder. I need to do that because I don't like tampons and, and, they dye those the cotton to make it look white and pretty because that's probably what men thought we wanted to put in our bodies was white and pretty things, not chemical free. <laughs> <laughs> this is white and pretty. I love it. 
Um, so our next segment is rapid fire. So this is our opportunity to get to know you, Elizabeth, just a little bit more. We ask all the guests this on the show. So we would love to hear okay. more about you. What is your go-to guilty pleasure for every day? So this is something, and it may not even necessarily be guilty, but what is the one thing that you have to do without fail every day? I love really dark fiction of, around women's issues. Shocker. But Colleen Hoover is my favorite author right now. And she, I listen to, because I don't have time to read books right now, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. So I listen to at least one or two chapters a day. It's not smutty, but it's really dark and real and twisted. And I love it. I love her. Did you read Verity? That's what got me hooked. Yeah. I loaned it out to a friend and she was like, <laughs> this was a lot. This was, a... and I said, sorry, I guess I should have warned you. But yeah, she's a wonderful author. I agree with you. So if you could live anywhere for a year, other than where you currently are, where would you go? Canada. God, that sounds so lame. But I've always thought I should have been born in Canada. I don't know why. I want to learn a little bit of the dialect. So you could say, yeah, A. A. Is that what they say? Or if you were from Montreal, yes. you would speak French, right? Or is it Quebec? I don't both? know. I don't know enough about this place. that I'm I can find out. I have resources. I don't know a lot about Canada. I've been to Vancouver, but that's about it. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I realized this. I didn't know your, one of your favorite colors was neon green. And I just was like, how did I not know? How did I not know this? But Angelina's sidebar, Angelina's son asked her what my favorite colors were. And she's like, how do I not know this? We've been friends. I, I, how many years? Um, 30 Something. plus. I don't want to get, yeah. yeah. To give away our age. We already give the whole podcast is for you. We gave away our age already. Yeah. Anyways. So I saw a, um, I, I never really had the desire to go to Canada, but I saw a reel of someone on vacation. You know how people put like all these reels together, like these little clips of their vacations. And it was for the fall. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is beautiful. Was it Banff by chance? Banff is, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's B-A-N-F. I don't know. But wherever they were, it was beautiful. Yeah, my husband's co-worker got married there, and I didn't even know that this existed in Canada. It was gorgeous. I love skiing. I haven't been skiing in decades, but I would like to go and not break my knee. <laughs> I've never been. That was my goal when I went skiing. I was like, just don't let me break anything. Just wanna, I just want to not fall as, yeah. as much as possible. <laughs> okay, if you could... Spend the day off any way you wanted. How would you structure the perfect day off? I should say like spending quality time with my kids, but it would definitely be kid free. I would say 100% alone by myself with no internet connection in a cabin in the middle of the woods and a notebook. I have been craving that so badly lately and I just haven't done it. I love that answer. We haven't had a single guest say like, especially that they would disconnect. We have not. And the idea of me, like I'm putting myself in your shoes here, which doesn't make any sense in the slightest, but the idea of me going to the woods by myself without internet connection terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy would think somebody was going to come murder her too. Maybe, maybe like a, um, maybe a bed and breakfast or like a, a retreat retreat. Yep. That sounds, but it does sound amazing. Like it, it probably allows you as a writer and as a creative thinker to mm -hmm. just disconnect from the world and be with yourself yep. and be able to pour all of that onto paper and just 
find some wholeness, mm -hmm. I'm sure. And it's meditative. So I can appreciate it. I'm also intrigued by psilocybin therapy, if that tells you anything. So that might be interesting. No, what is that? Uh, it's mushrooms. Oh, okay. To tap into your creative juices and kind of get outside of yourself. I have not done that yet, but I'm I'm actively looking for an opportunity to do that. So this wouldn't be as extreme as like ayahuasca, correct? No, I'm not. No, I you're like, no, I'm not messing with that. <laughs> There's like too much in here. Uh, that would be a lot. Yeah, I hear you unpack quite a bit. So did you watch the Netflix special for Goop and how oh, yeah. they went on a that was really interesting. Yeah, I loved that. That that definitely. Well, were those were they mushrooms or was it ayahuasca? I think they did both maybe i could be confusing it because chelsea handler did one too called chelsea does and she did ayahuasca with two friends but i think on goop they may have done both there was definitely discussion about mushrooms too well there's a there's a big rise in psilocybin therapy in the u.s especially through the pandemic and it's becoming a bit more like mainstream and especially in like portland <laughs> you know where all the fun stuff happens i think but there's a, there's another, there's a podcast by time called cover story and it's highlighting the rise of psilocybin therapy and all of the like sketchy stuff that therapists have started to do, like the malicious therapists that are taking advantage of their, their clients, like that's awful taking money away and getting, yeah, it's just it's fascinating, but there's a lot of really good that comes out of psilocybin therapy is my understanding. Interesting. So an opportunity for you to create even more things. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so this this is um, one of our favorite questions. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would that be? Don't doubt your instincts. That's something that I feel like I question myself a lot now, but I can only imagine how frequently I just didn't trust my instincts and self-doubt and that negative chatter. Like you're not good enough. You're supposed to be in this little, like this, like lower role. You have no right to ask for a promotion or ask for a raise or ask for what you want. Um, but you deserve it because you're smart and you're talented. Imposter syndrome is so real. That's what I was going to say. Imposter mm -hmm. syndrome. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really hear men talk about it. And that's huge advice. And I think that's probably a big part of what holds us as women back in careers and society is because we have so much more self-doubt and it takes us to get to this age where we finally feel more confident and put ourselves out there and ask for what we deserve. Or not ask, but do. Demand it or make it happen. Yeah. Do what we deserve. Find ways to make it happen. I like that. Like creating the asticle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to see to see this journey that you're on and to to continue to follow you. It, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you and so grateful that you are, you know, has spent some time with us this morning. We know you're busy. <laughs> no, this was this was a lot of fun. Thank you for letting me share my story and for all the other women that you've had on your show. I've, everyone that you've mentioned, I'm like, oh, I love her. Oh, I love her. I love that. So you're doing great work, too. Good. Thank you. We just we just love it and we appreciate you so much. For those of you um, who want to follow Elizabeth, you can find her on LinkedIn and Instagram at Elizabeth Pranger Pros. And if you'd like to learn more about Fem Health Founders, you can visit their website at femhealthfounders.com. All the links will be in our show notes.
Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. And until next time, we look forward to seeing you guys or not, well, not seeing you, but virtually talking to our audience maybe next week. But thanks everyone for joining us. <laughs> Have a good week. Cheers. Thank you all for joining us in today's episode. The information provided in today's episode is for informational purposes only and does not substitute for professional medical advice. We advise our audience to consult a medical professional or healthcare provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and treatment. Thank you all again for joining us on another episode of Talk 40 to Me, and we look forward to next week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening in. And as a member of our community, we want to hear from you. Follow us on social at Talk 40 to Me podcast and share your feedback on today's topic. How is the conversation relevant in your life? And is there a topic you'd love to hear us discuss? On that note, cheers to aging gracefully, living life to the fullest, and enjoying another day with your besties in life. <laughs>